Well, I tell you, I get kind of like giddy when it's this time of the year because we got Thanksgiving next week, and I love that, and I love all the feelings and the food and everything, and then we've got, you know, Christmas. I'm already, I decided that Christmas is already happening in our house. Like, I'm already switched over to Christmas music. I just love it. And Polar Express, if you haven't been a part of that, it's, it's really, it's an interactive experience. So, you know, parts of the movie, the film, it'll snow in here. You'll feel the wind and the steam from the train. And it's a cool, you know, if, and if you haven't, if you're looking for a place to bring kids or grandkids because you say, want to, you know, get a photo op with Santa Claus or elves or whatever, you know, just bring them. It's a great experience and just can't wait to share it with you. It's just a lot of fun. But I, I love this time of the year and, and I love what Thanksgiving really where it centers us and, and our hearts as we start to really think about and, and reflect on how much we've been blessed. Because the truth is we, we all have been blessed tremendously and, and God has just been so faithful and so good and, and the things that he has provided to us really are, are more than enough. And he's given it to us for a purpose, he said, I want you to, to use these things well. I want you, the, the talents that you have, the gifts that you have, I want you to steward it well and use it to make a difference. And Thanksgiving is a time where I think we, we just naturally go there. And so I'm excited and so grateful for the generosity of you guys providing for some of the homeless in our community. Next week, we're going to be, uh, we're going to have bags available. We're partnering with our local schools to buy Christmas gifts for some of the children in, uh, in, in the schools right here in our backyard that kids that are, are in need. And so that we got, I think, 200 bags that will need to be filled. And I mean, just an awesome, awesome opportunity. I think we're getting 50 uh, food boxes for Christmas time, 40 bicycles that we're going to be giving out. And just that's just a few things. There's other things coming down the line, too. So just, just grateful for the opportunity to, to bless and to, to be generous. And I just thank you guys for being a part of that. And as we kind of settle in today, I, I, one thing that, I've, that I have seen in my life over and over again, that's why we kind of titled this series More Than Enough, doing a lot with a little, is every, every thing that was kind of a move of God or every big thing that God has done in my life all started with small little steps. Small steps of obedience where, I, where God, I could sense that God was saying, this is what I want you to do. And when I said, okay, I, I had a little bit of courage and I said, I'll, I'll do that. He, he showed up and said, okay, you did your part. Now, now watch what I can do in your life. And it's worked that way over and over again. And I see that a lot in the scripture too, that God loves to take small things and he uses the small and overlook to do incredible things. Jesus was born in a small little town, Bethlehem. Nobody, it wasn't a destination. It wasn't a place that anybody really thought much of. But that's where he came from, David, King David. Israel's greatest king was the smallest of all of his brothers. He was the runt of the litter. Uh, when they were looking for a king, they, they knew it was going to come from that household. They didn't even bring David out in the lineup because they said, well, you, you don't want to. He's just out in the sheep, with the sheep and the, watching over the, the flock. You know, you don't want to look at him. It just... Using the small, Moses had a, you know, we think about Moses as great leader, right? He, he's this historical figure in the Old Testament mount. Wow, the, the great and wonderful things that God did through Moses. And yet Moses over and over again said, Lord, you got the wrong person. I've got a speech impediment. I'm not a good leader. You know, I, I've, I've messed up and, and nobody's going to follow me. Nobody's going to listen to me. And God told him over and over, hey, I'll be with you. You just take this step. You just do what I'm calling you to do. One part that I really love in scripture, Moses is just kind of like pleading with God, saying, I just, I can't do this. I can't do any of these things. And God said, well, what's that in your hand? He said, it's just a little shepherd's staff. 
So watch what I do with that. You just be faithful. You just have a little bit of courage and watch what I'll do. He's able to do a lot with a little. When we bring what little we have before him, it's more than enough for him to use to do great things. And last week we talked about having a little bit of faith. And I, we looked at that parable that Jesus told about the mustard seed. That the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's like a little bit of, when, when you plant it, you have faith. It grows and it becomes this really amazing thing. And today I want to talk about just having a little bit of courage. Jesus tells this, this parable or this story in Matthew 25. He said, again, the, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. And he gave five bags of silver to one. Or other translations say he gave five talents, like a coin. They gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. And the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money, and he earned five more. And the servant with two bags of silver, also he went to work, and he earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver did a curious thing. He dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. So here's something that we need to know, and this is, I think, really important. Jesus tell, is telling this parable, and, and I think a temptation, some of maybe what we do, or if you've heard different teaching on different things, is we, we, we need to know that parables don't have like 42 meanings, right? I mean, it's not like every little thing means something different. A parable has a singular meaning. Jesus told this fictional story because it's got a deeper meaning, a deeper purpose, but there's one thing, there's one point that he's making. There's one truth that he's communicating. And when he says the kingdom of God is like this, blank, and then he tells a story, that there's a single meaning that we're meant to take away from that. And the meaning of the parable of the talents is that it finds itself in this series of teachings where Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven and what it's like. And, and this is about giving, about living lives of urgency at his imminent return. Jesus is coming back, and I want to live as if that's happening soon. I'm going to live my life with a sense of urgency, and, and I'm committed. And so you, you get the story that's right before this one. It's about internal preparedness. He talks about these uh, bride, uh, these women being ready and having enough oil for their lamps and that sort of thing. And, and really the, the heart of that is, is my heart ready to see Jesus? Am I ready to meet him face to face? And then this passage is about, is there urgency in me living out what God has put in me for his glory and for my joy? Am I living that way? Am I living with a sense of urgency with the gifts and the talents that I have been given, that he has bestowed on me. And the first thing we see is that God distributes his gifts and his talents uh, not to all alike, but to each one individually. He didn't say, oh, here's five talents for you, and here's five talents for you, and here's five for you, and you, and you, and so forth. That's not what he did. He gave to each one in proportion, the scripture says, not Brandon's words, God's words. He gave in proportion to each one's abilities. In other words, and we say this all the time, it may sound redundant or I'm like a broken record, but it's worth repeating. 
is that you are unique. You have been made on purpose with purpose. And, and that's okay, that's good, whether you're a five-talent individual or a two-talent or a one-talent, that's part of the uniqueness of each one of us. And if you're anything like me, I would be crushed by five talents. I know I'm not a five-talent person. Now, I can handle that. That's okay. It's good. I, I know that I can't do everything, and there's, there's people that I look at that I, I kind of get a little envious and think, man, I wish I was a little bit more like they were. I tell you, and, and maybe you feel some of that, you know, too, but it's not about, what I want you to know is it's not about how many talents you've been given. It's not about how much blessing that you've received, but it's about what you do with it. Not what you've, not how much, but what are you doing with it? God's scorecard is not our scorecard. You know, we, we compare, we sort of size each other up. You know, what, what's this person able to do versus what am I able to do? And how could I, you know, maybe I've got a leg up on that person. Or what, you know, we, we do that. We look at people that way. God doesn't do that. His scorecard is about faith and courage and, and the willingness to take a risk and, and, and step into what he's built for you. Let's not try to be a cheap imitation of somebody else. Because we're not all gifted the same way. And that's good because it'd be awfully boring around here if we were all the same. But we're not. And, and, and you are unique and Jesus paid a very high price for you. You and I are not the best at everything. You, know, you may feel that at work sometimes. Maybe there's something you struggle with, and whether it's a you know spreadsheets or organization or you know whatever, and you just say, "Man, it's just not my jam." I don't know. And and there's other people that they're just so good at it, and it comes so naturally. And you're like, "I just don't. Why can't I be a little bit more like that?" I I feel that way with John Glowacki, our worship minister. Sometimes he makes me so sick, I just can't stand it. You know, we work around here. This happened like a few weeks ago. I was having trouble for the umpteenth time with something with my, my laptop. And I couldn't get it figured out. And I, and I don't want to ask him because I just get so sick and tired of admitting that I don't know what I'm doing. And so I spent like an hour trying to fix this. And I'm like, I just, why won't this work? Why won't, I mean, I'm, I'm wasting time. And so finally, I sucked it up, you know, swallowed my pride. And I said, John... I, maybe you know what this is, man. I can't get my computer to do this. And he said, oh, well, have you tried this? And just went tap, tap, boom, worked. <laughs> he, dude just, he came out of the womb knowing how to fix stuff. I just, I hate him. <laughs> can't stand the guy, but it's just, you know, it's. <laughs> but maybe, maybe you, you feel that. Maybe, maybe you want, why, why am I not good at this? Why can't I do this like that person can? You know, I just don't get it. it you know, maybe you're not gifted that way. It's okay. It's fine, you know. But, but this, is, this is what I love about this parable is the compound interest. It's not about how much you've received. It's not about what you receive. It's about what you do with what you've received and how that's multiplied, what God does with it. The first two guys, they doubled the master's money. Pretty cool. It had been a pretty courageous thing, you know, it was a little risky. But the third guy, he dug a hole in the ground and he buried it. And Jesus goes on, he says, Well, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and he called them to give an account of how they had used his money. And the servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more. He said, Master, you gave me five talents uh, to invest and I have earned five more. And the master was full of praise. Well done. My good and faithful servant, you've been faithful, you've been courageous, you took a risk in handling this small amount, so now I'm going to give you many more responsibilities, let's celebrate together. 
And the servant who received the two bags of silver came forward. Kind of sounds like, you know, it sounds familiar. But he says, Master, you gave me two bags to invest, and I've earned two more. And the master said, well, well done. My good and faithful servant, you've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Good, good stuff, right? I mean, this is like party time. I'm proud of you. You did it. You know, you, you did what I wanted you to do. You took a risk. You were willing to, to, to have a little bit of courage. You know, the opposite of courage is fear. We all know that, what that feels like. But do we know where it comes from? Because the scripture tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear. I've heard people say, well, I just feel afraid. I feel like maybe the Lord's just trying to, oh, maybe he's just, he's just got me afraid of something. No, 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 no. God has not given you a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power and self-control. Being courageous, it's part of the fingerprints of God on us. And I, I, the opposite of courage is fear, but the bridge between the two is risk. Am I willing to take a step? Especially if my Lord has called me to take a step. If he has said, he hasn't minced words. If he said, I want you to do this. And I'll be faithful. I'll go with you every step of the way. Do we trust him enough to go there? Do I trust him enough in my personal life to take a courageous and risky step? You know, a lot of you, you may recognize the name Ben Merrill. He's been one of the, one of the most faithful, uh, effective pastors in, you know, and probably in a lot of our lifetimes. I mean, just in, in our, our movement, uh, just a faithful man of God. And I've had a chance to meet him a few times. And just, just the most humble dude you ever want to meet. But I heard him say one time, and I wrote it down because I thought it was so good. He said, you know, there is an unwritten law of growth. And here's what it is. The unwritten law of growth is that generosity leads to growth. We think it's the opposite. The more I hoard, the more I have, and the more I can do. But the reverse of that is true. It's the upside-down economic kingdom of, of God. We talked about this a little bit last week with the parable of the mustard seed. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like this little bitty mustard seed that it grows and becomes this huge tree and then birds come and build their nests in it. Meaning that the church, the people of God, when they have a little bit of faith, even though it starts small, it has a small beginning, we have a huge impact and everyone benefits. Birds build the nest. They, they didn't do anything to create the tree. They just enjoy the fact that it's there because there's provision and protection. People all over the world benefit because the people of God are the people of God. When the people of God are the people of God, everybody, everybody wins. And God has used the church to help people all over the world for millennia when we learn to be generous. When we learn to hold loosely to the things of this world. You know, we, when we, some of us, we have such a tight grip because we've bought into this line of thinking that everything that I have, everything that's around me is mine and it's mine forever. And I've got to hold on tight so that no one takes it. But the, it's not true. It's an illusion. Your stuff is not your stuff. Everything belongs to God. He has 
given it to us in proportion to our abilities to steward it well. He's entrusted it to us for a short amount of time. And one day, it's going to go somewhere else. Wherever that ends up, we've got to learn. When we learn to be generous with the talents that God has given us, not just money, but when, you know, what, what is it that makes you unique? What is it? What, are, what is the, the wiring in your life? Are you artistic? Are you creative? Are you a great leader? Are you inspirational? Are you, are you, uh, do, do you love children? Do you love elderly people? Are you passionate about the lost? Do you have a burden for those in need? And what is it that makes you uniquely you? And what are the resources that are all around you that God has given? He's put you for such a time, for such a place. He's made you for such a time as this. It would be a shame to squander that, to let that passion just fade. When we learn how to steward well, using what we have in a way to to multiply the benefit, it leads to growth. Growth in my walk with God as I use my talents, as I take a step, I see that God is faithful, and then I see what He does with that. And I grow closer to Him. I I learn what it means to to follow Him wherever He calls me to go. I, I grow in my relationships with other people. I grow in my ability to show mercy. You know, sometimes one of the most courageous steps you can do is to offer forgiveness, extend a hand of of grace. I grow in my ability to receive blessings from God. You know, and that's what that scripture says. He says, you know, hey, the the master said, you were faithful in a a few things. So I'm going to put you in charge of a few more things. I'm going to bless you a little bit more because I've seen that you can be trusted. I've seen that... You're not afraid to take a courageous step. This is what's true about those who lead any church. And we talk about the church, Big C, but then you also got to talk about your local church from time to time. And when it comes to our leadership, our staff, our elders, leaders, this is a non-negotiable for me. I absolutely, with all my heart, believe that the leaders, the leadership of the church, their main job, people say, well, what's, the, what's their main job? Maybe it's to, to pick out the color of the carpet. Is that what they do? What do they do? They sit in a room and just like pontificate and send down instructions from on high. Is that what they do? No. I, I believe with all my heart that the main job of the leadership of the church is to put the church in a situation that is conducive to receiving the blessing of God. It's to make sure that we're faithful. And that we're generous because we serve a generous God. If the church meets needs and if it helps people and if, they're, if it's a generous place, it will grow. That's just the way it works. When we meet the needs of real people, when we help real people, when we're generous to real people, the church grows. But this is the catch, and I hope that you're following me. I hope you're tracking here. This is where the courageous part comes in being generous feels risky doesn't it 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 feels like if I do this I don't know which way it's going to go because if I give it then I don't have it and maybe I might need it and maybe it won't even make that much of a difference anyway you know this is the problem that we have it's it's not what God has said We're clear on what God has said. I mean, there's plenty of scripture. The majority of Jesus' teaching was on generosity. 
We, it's, there's no question about what God has said to us. I don't think I have to get up here and, and preach sermons about, well, here's what Jesus said about tithing. Here's what God said about giving. Here's what God said about being generous. He told us to be generous. We know that. To tithe on our income, 10% of what we, we earn, God has said, I want you to return it back to me. Trust me and watch how I provide for you and how I bless people. That's not the problem. It's not a problem what God has said. It's not that we're unsure. Well, maybe, maybe we got that interpretation a little bit wrong. That's not it. There's a quote by a British theologian named Oz Guinness. I love this. He said, we often prefer the safety of doubt over the risk of disappointment. See, the problem is we're afraid it won't work. We're afraid that, well, I know that God said this, but I don't know that he'll do it for me. I don't know that this will work out for me. And, and, and this is, this, these are not my words. I mean, if you say, oh, I don't want to be generous, that's fine. Go right ahead. You don't have to be generous. Nobody's going to check you on the way out. But you just explain to God why you didn't trust what he said. One day when you stand before him, you just say, well, Lord, I know that you told me to do this, but I just didn't think that you would do, that you'd hold up your end of the bargain. And I, you know, I'd say maybe, maybe I have been blessed, but you know, and it doesn't matter. We, we're just living in America. If you live on welfare in America, you're in the top couple of percent of the richest people in the world. Let us explain to God someday why we were the wealthiest people in the history of the world, but we just didn't have enough to be generous. Let's see how that goes over. I, I don't want to say that. But I think we live there way too much. Like, you know, I'm not sure that God meant what he said. Maybe it was for somebody else. Maybe, maybe it was for other people. Or maybe he won't see me. And maybe because we're weird when it comes to our stuff, because we're convinced that it's our stuff. I, I'm, a, I'm a Dave Ramsey fan, sort of. I, I, I say I'm Dave Ramsey-ish. I, I like a lot of what he says. and I think that we should all pursue a debt-free life, you know, we shouldn't be a slave to the lender. It's not a good place to live. But I love, I really believe wholeheartedly in this quote. He says that giving is the antidote for selfishness. It's the hallmark character quality of those who win with money. When you realize that God's blessed me, but this stuff doesn't own me. It's not, it's not going to drive my life. Jesus said give and it will be given to you. You give and I'll take care of you. But you've got to give. You've got to be faithful. No matter what your natural talents or abilities are or how much you've been blessed financially or, or with your, you've just got these great and wonderful aspects of your life. They're all blessings. We've all been given something. We all do something. What are you doing with what you got? What are you doing with it? In this parable, it's interesting. The man with the one talent, he has no urgency. No courage, no joy, no confidence whatsoever. Instead, and this is what's really fascinating, he flips it around and he makes accusations about the character of God. Jesus goes on, he says, the servant with one bag of silver came and he said, Master, now, now he's accusing. Well, I knew that you were a harsh man, or I assume, but that's what I'm projecting onto you right now. You're harsh, and you're harvesting crops you didn't plant, and you're gathering crops you didn't cultivate. And I was afraid. See, there's a little bit of honesty. I was afraid that I would lose your money because I don't have any courage, 
And I, I, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. No effort. Driven completely by fear. I love how the message version translates this verse. It says, the servant giving a thousand or one talent, whatever, however you uh, want to word that. said, Master, I know that you have high standards and you hate careless ways. That you demand the best and you make no allowances for error. I was afraid that I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, right down to the last cent. Some of you have been phenomenally gifted. You've got talents. You've got just natural leadership skills. You've got passions that God has put in you. But we just keep it, you know, we just keep it to ourselves. And I think, well, one day I'll die and I'll go back to meet my creator and say, Lord, here it is. Here's all the, the things that you gave me. I just kept it all safe and sound. We didn't, we didn't risk it all. Here it is. We think that maybe he'll be impressed by that. And this guy, he, he's the one with the issue, the, the servant with the one talent. He's the one with no faith. He's the one who is weak and fearful, but he blame shifts. And, and he says, well, it's really your fault, you know, because I know you're, you're harsh, right? Aren't you, aren't you kind of harsh and you've got really high standards? And, and, and we do the same thing. Really, it's, it's your fault that I wasn't generous. Maybe you didn't give me enough. Here's a question I'd like you to really wrestle with for a little bit. What have you been burying lately? What in your life? What's something that you know God has given it to you? you? You didn't come up with this on your own. But you're burying it in the ground out of fear. I don't know that I can do that. I don't know that I can step out. I'm not, I'm not sure that that would work out. You know, it's not, it's not just fear. It's, it's selfish, really. And it's lazy. So I don't want to take a step. I prefer the comfort, that level that I've got right now. Maybe for some of you, God has blessed you with a child, but parenting feels like a burden instead of a blessing. I've got a friend right now that uh, got married, and they were, more than anything else, they just wanted a baby, wanted a baby, wanted a baby, and they've been praying and praying and praying, and and they were having some fertility issues, and it was, it was a real struggle. So a lot of people are praying for them because, oh, I, all, all I want is just the opportunity to have a child and what a blessing that would be in my life. And then, miracle of all miracles, they, they got pregnant, and they had this baby, and everybody's just celebrating, so happy for them. This is so wonderful. The baby wasn't a few months old, and she was on social media just complaining, you know, about raising this child and how hard it is and why won't somebody I, I wish my family would step up if some of my friends would step up come here and take this kid for for a few hours or maybe a day or two and I thought man what what now now what you've been praying for has become such a burden in your life but this is what we do this is what we do we, we, we maybe shove the responsibility we blame shift or it could be that, that, that we're smart and we have tons of potential, but we're throwing it all away and we're settling because it just seems more safe and more comfortable. And I don't really want to have to push. Getting comfortable is such a dangerous thing, a dangerous place to be. Maybe it's just time itself. God has given you, he's given all of us, me, you, all of us, he's given us some time. A little bit of time. The Bible says our life is like a mist. It's here for a moment and then it's gone. It's very brief. But we live as though it's just going to go on forever. So I don't really have to do anything. 
or live any certain way. I'll just kind of get up and go about my life and I don't really take care of myself or take care of things around me or do anything that really matters. I'm just, I'm, and instead of focusing on what's really truly important, like knowing the Lord, you know, I, I always think to myself, boy, I want to have such a great walk with God that when I step into heaven, it's just going to feel like the next step. You know, not like, whoa, this is something, you know, but yeah, I, I'm so close to Jesus that it's like, of course, now I'm with you. It makes sense. Just the next step in my journey. You know, we focus on loving the Lord and loving our families and extending forgiveness, but instead of doing those things, we can just keep existing. We've got a lot of excuses. This guy with the one talent, he dug a hole, he did the bare minimum, which was nothing. So well, here it is back. But the master replied, verse 26, you wicked and lazy servant. You wicked and lazy servant. What, what were you thinking? Now, I don't know. Do we have verse 26? Can we put, a, put that up on the screen there? I don't know how these words hit you. Uh, but to me, I read that and I, and I think, man, wicked and lazy. Those are two words that I don't ever want God to ever say about me. I, don't, I do not want to reach heaven and get there and him say, you know what, Brandon, you, you were a little wicked and you were a little lazy there. And he says, if, if you knew that I harvested crops where I didn't plant and I gathered crops I didn't cultivate, then why didn't you at least deposit my money in the bank? At least then I could have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered, he said, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. And then here's an interesting promise from God in the Bible. I'll be on verse 29 if we've got that one. He said, to those who use well what they're given, even more will be given, and they'll have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. I can tell you from my life, and this is true, and if you want more detail, then take me out for coffee, and I'll, I'll tell you more about it. But in my personal life, my, my financial health, and not just financial, but a lot of, a lot of the things in you know, my spiritual walk and, and a lot of things in my life have grown in direct proportion to my level of generosity. It is kept in step. And I'll tell you this story, okay? When, when Megan and I were first starting out, we started out like a lot of you guys that we were, I mean, it's just so broke. I mean, just, just so poor. And we had children early. And then we were even more broke. <laughs> you know, we didn't have anything. And, and it was like, how are we ever going to get ahead? And I remember a moment, and Megan and I were having this discussion because we had not been giving. And Megan said, we've, got, we've just got to give. We've just got to give. And I said, we can't afford to give. We don't have enough. And then I said these fateful words. I said, and what little we make, it wouldn't make that much of a difference anyway. And I remember Megan looking at me and saying, I thought you had more faith than that, Brandon. And so she kind of called me on that. <laughs> but that was a moment when we started to give. And I said, well, we'll try it. We'll see. And I could tell you lots of stories about things that happened. But I often wonder about that one-talent guy. And I wonder if he just thought that his one little talent was so small and God was so rich and so big that it really didn't matter that much at all. He just do whatever I'm going to do with it because he's not going to care. You know, let's let the people with the five talents do the real work. 
But my little bit, it doesn't amount to much anyway. That's how I thought. But the truth is that God is intimately involved in forming you. It's not about me being obsessed with what God's doing in somebody else. What is God doing in you? What is, it, what is he doing in us? He is shaping you and redeeming you, redeeming your hurt, redeeming your victories and, and losses, and then he's giving you a life of purpose and belonging with an unshakable identity. We possess nothing that is not ultimately God-given. Every single thing that we have, including these bodies, come from the Lord. They belong to Him. We are not our own. We were bought at a price. And God rejoices in our faith and He honors risk and courage when we take the step that He has asked us to take. Now, I love to share stories of real people in our church because I want you to know this isn't just a bunch of stuff that we're talking about, but when we talk about how God is shaping real people and doing a deep work in their lives and uh, one couple of our church, Matt and Lucretia Moore, have been so faithful. And, and I, asked, I asked Lucretia if I could share a little bit about their journey. Actually, Matt told me last week, he said, you need to talk to her. She's got a great story. And she, she wrote this. She said, in March of 2020, we were challenged churchwide to tithe 10% as the Lord asks us to in the gospel. And my husband, Matt, and I had a discussion about actually doing 10% and if we could, quote, unquote, afford it. And we've always made sure to give a portion of our income, but it, it, all, it averaged around 5%, and it was, it was just what we had left over. And we decided to go ahead and commit to the 90 days. What did we have to lose? Then the pandemic happened, but we stuck to it. And where we have been faithful, so has God. Our needs are met. We're working on paying things off. Our bills are always paid on time. He always comes through. I tithe 10% of our regular income and 25% of anything I make extra from other, other endeavors. And the Lord has blessed that too. And she said, I just want our church to know that God is faithful to meet your needs when you place your trust in him. Those of you that have done that, you've experienced the same thing. You want to talk about where the rubber meets the road. Why does God talk about our money? Because of how we feel about it. You cannot worship two masters. You'll either love the one and hate the other, or you'll despise the one and love the other. You can't serve both God and money. It's about our heart. And last week, I gave you a, a very specific challenge, and I want to touch on it again today. We call it the 90-day tithe challenge. That's what we did last year, what Lucretia was referring to. There's some cards in the chairs if you, if you want to grab one of those. Some of you may have taken one last week. But you can find a lot of information on our website about this. But what this is, is we're challenging everybody. Let's trust God together. Because I, I don't want anybody to ever think that I'm up here saying, yeah, so we just are after your money. We're not. As I said before, you can be generous or you cannot. That's your choice. That is between you and the Lord. I, I'll never know. Uh, but what we want you to do is to take a, a simple, practical step. If you say, you know what, I'll give this a shot. God says to do it. He says he'll take care of me. Okay. But the one problem with it is there's always the risk element. You know, what if it doesn't work out? So we're doing everything we can to remove that. So what we've said is if you're willing to do this, then sign up. You can sign the card 
is you've got one of the cards and drop it in the offering box, or you can sign up online, that way it's easy, uh, so that we can track and we know, okay, they, they signed up for this. And you commit to give for 90 days. At the end of 90 days, if you say, that was a disaster, you send an email to our treasurer, we got a, the email address is there, it won't go to me, I'll never know, none of the staff will know, one person will know, and you send an email say, it didn't work, we'll write you a check on the spot, no questions asked, we won't try to talk you out of it, we won't try to say, well, let's come in and meet first, none of that. I, I, we can't make it any, I don't think we can make it any easier than that. Let's take a step, let's be obedient to God, and then let's see what he does with that. And We trust him together. This is deep work. This isn't, let's hurry up and get this done. This is about walking with God, and, it's, and, and my prayer for us is that we would seek the Lord with all of our heart, and that we'll realize in those moments that as we worship Him, and as we trust Him, I love that song we sang, I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery, like even when I don't know what's going on, I'm still going to worship you, I'm still going to praise you, and we have that sense of urgency, we want to see His kingdom grow. We would see him do something incredible in us, like that little mustard seed that grows. May he be cultivating really good things in each of us. So that's my challenge for you. I hope that you'll take me up on it. Um, and if you do want to, like I say, grab one of the cards or else you can do it online. Either way. Let me pray for us. Father, we... We just cannot say enough about your, your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, we get, we get very sidetracked with current events and problems in our world. And, and it is difficult, Lord, for us in our minds to, to get our eyes off of that and to, to keep looking at Jesus. And Lord, I don't know why that is. I don't know what, what it is that maybe there's some... Maybe there's some need within us that we just, we're just attracted to bad news or maybe we just, we're just always worried or waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm not sure, but Lord, will we help us to shift our trust from this world and what we produce or what the world can provide for us. Help us to shift that onto you and that we can trust you and that you're our provider, that you are our shepherd and that you love us. Lord, as we surrender our lives to you, remind us that we are giving you control, but that you are the one that is providing and protecting. We can, we can leave that in your hands and trust you. Lord, I thank you that you're good, and I thank you most of all for Jesus, who gave his life that we might be saved. And we ask all this in his name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. We'll see you next Sunday.